everyone, welcome to Third Spacing, the podcast, where we explore important topics in the peripheries of clinical medicine in Singapore. I'm your host, Anhui. In this episode, we talk to Dr. Justin Kerr, a neurosurgeon and author of a collection of short stories, The Space Between the Raindrops. It is a collection of flash fiction published by Epigram Books and explores themes such as the loss and interconnectedness, that inhibits the space of fleetingness across both time and space. Dr. Kerr studied biology and creative writing at Carnegie Mellon University and subsequently studied medicine at the University of Sydney in Australia. So my, my journey to becoming a doctor is a bit different from the usual Yong Lin person. So I never knew I wanted to become a doctor. Um, and uh, I ran- randomly applied for a bunch of US colleges uh, and I ended up in uh, Carnegie Mellon, uh, which is in uh, Pennsylvania. Mm. So I actually started out as uh, just like an undeclared major kind of person uh, in the School of Engineering. But one of the classes I happened to take was in neuroscience. So, so that uh, really opened my mind. And uh, because of that, I read this memoir of a, a Pittsburgh neurosurgeon uh, the title of the book is uh, When the Air Hits Your Brain uh, by Frank Vertosik. So uh, it chronicles his training years uh, in neurosurgery. So I thought uh, that's what I want to do. So just quickly finished off university. Uh, I ended up doing biology, uh, switching majors a few times, but I ended up doing biology and minoring in, in English. Uh, then after that, I applied to med schools everywhere. Uh, then I got into S- Sydney and decided to go there because uh, back then Bush just won a second term so everyone's <laughs> pretty annoyed with him uh, and I, I suppose that also shows you how old I am yeah so finished med school in Sydney then I came back to Singapore where it's been pretty much neurosurgery all the way you could tell us a bit more about the book The Space Between the Raindrops which was published by Epigram in 2013 mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people name their books after like a line in yep. their stories. And I tried very hard to find the line, the space between the raindrops yep. in the book, but I couldn't seem to find it. Maybe I wasn't reading yeah. well enough, but I was just wondering, uh, could you like, just like, tell us a bit well, more about what this book's about? I, there's no you know, dramatic story to, uh, to naming the book, the space between the raindrops. I've always liked uh, the idea of rain uh, since young, I don't know why, uh, being in the rain and the scent of the rain on the ground, things like that. And I always thought that space between raindrops was this very fleeting, ephemeral and very transient space. Uh, and that just, that emotions that uh, that connotes just felt right for, um, for the title of the book. Yeah. Mm. which is uh, about, uh, it's, uh, it's a collection of random stories. You know, they were written uh, throughout medical school, mostly, uh, and a few after that. Uh, the stories about, you know, the transient meetings between different peoples mm. uh, and how brief everything is. Uh, and that sort of, in that way, that sort of ties in with the work that I do every day, the mm. clinical work, because... In neurosurgery, if there's one thing you take away from that is that you know life is really too brief. Hmm. Yeah, you every day we see patients. You know, you know they can be young, they can be old, um, but you know over the span of um, 
a few hours, their life completely changes, you know, because of a, a road traffic accident, because of a hemorrhagic stroke. Mm. Uh, so, you know, there's so many stories where, you know, the, you know, the patients family tell, tell us that, you know, Akong was completely well, we're having dinner, then suddenly he just fainted. And uh, the next thing you know, I'm talking to them about, like, uh, making a hole in Akong's head and uh, doing something about the blood clot in there. So, uh, I think on a daily basis, um, my work just sort of reinforces this idea that, you know, our time here is brief and our meetings are very fleeting. I, I don't have a moral of the story to draw mm. from that, but it's just uh, uh, what, I, what I've gone through. I guess, like, I mean, you also said that there's, like, no real moral of the story. And I think, like, right now in Singapore, there's also, like, this whole new movement of, like, medical humanities. Mm. Like, something which is commonly said or commonly believed is that, oh, uh, literature can help, like, someone be more empathetic. Mm-hmm. Or, and I was wondering what your thoughts on that are, because I, I, I'm kind of uncomfortable with that thought. Well, to me, having... Having to formalize medical humanities as a separate specialty or you know s- subject uh, discipline, uh, I think it's it's um, a symptom of uh, an, an, an underlying disease, which is that you know doctors are not empathetic enough, mm. right? Personally, I don't think we really need if you choose the right people to be doctors and and you train them the correct way. You don't need a separate, uh, you know, discipline called medical humanities because mm. everything we do is supposed to be a medical humanity. You know, right? We treat uh, and we deal with with humans. You know, uh, so to me, it's something that shouldn't be necessary, but uh, I suppose unfortunately it is in today's uh, context. Yeah. One thing I was thinking about is how there are so many neurosurgeon writers out there. Mm-hmm. Like, for instance, there is, you also mentioned when air hits the brain. Mm-hmm. But then, right, the most popular book right now is like When Breath Becomes Air yeah. by Paul Kalaniti, Henry Marsh. And in Singapore, mm-hmm. there's also like Gopal Bharatam. Yep. And I mean, I think you talked about this a little bit already. Why do you think, is there like any um, hypothesis that you have as to why neurosurgeons in particular have so many drawn to being writers? Or, or like which comes first, you know, is it this desire to see um, human lives at a very fragile state? Mm-hmm. Or is it the other way around? Is it Actually, I've, I've thought about, uh, you know, something similar um, before. Um, and... Uh, I think it's probably a few factors. Uh, firstly, perhaps the people who end up as some of the people end up as neurosurgeons um, are more reflective, and that lends itself e- easier to being a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, there are also other highly reflective people in other disciplines. <laughs> um, the other thing is that maybe in neurosurgery, uh, it's it's really, in some ways, the frontier of medicine. Uh, I chose the brain to start work on the brain because it's the last organ that you know we we do not have a full understanding of yet. So, uh, the the last thing is about why neurosurgeons may uh, good writers is that perhaps in the field of neurosurgery we sort of distill um, life to its very essence because neurosurgery a lot of the times it's 
literally life and death kind of thing. So our work just cuts through a lot of the the chaff of um, of uh, human life uh, to deal with you know this exact blood clot that's going to kill someone, this tumor that's going to uh, you know paralyze someone. So we deal with the very essence of life, I think, and. Um, Personally, I think good writing should be about that as well. So my writing style, I, I don't pretend to have a greater truth to tell, tell people, mm. um, but I, I think uh, one's writing can be of service when it is as free of unnecessary words as possible. So I, I think as writers, we aspire for this tightness in the writing. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, possibly in your surgery, uh, there's some innate desire to to have a life that, in some ways, is as tight as possible as well. I, I noticed is that there's a lot of like recurring themes in the in the stories. Mm -hmm. Something which I was thinking about was like the idea of like rain. I mean, the topic of your book, raindrops as well. I mean, more broadly, maybe even water. Like, yep. It's not just like raindrops, there's also teardrops which yep. are involved and the idea of how like rain happens everywhere. But but the experience of rain is different for everyone, even though it's something which is so universal. Mm -hmm. But there was something else which like I found which was, which was really like particular was mm -hmm. like a lot of use of like physics equations and mm -hmm. like physics concepts. I noticed that, like Paul Kalaniti in his book mm -hmm. also does a lot of that physics thing. Yep. Um and I was wondering where where did that part come from? Okay, so I I think the when I write about rain and the transformation uh, into into a, a cloud that uh, you know you encounter. Uh, so, for example, in the story Taipei One Hundred One, essentially uh, it's actually sort of based on. Uh, real meeting I had with my friend. So this friend of mine, we were in the same primary school class and uh, I wrote about, you know, how there were days in our primary school when it used to flood, you know, mm. pretty badly around Bukit Tima mm. and we'd go to school all sopping wet. Then I sort of juxtaposed that with me meeting her, you know, around the time when we were both in university uh, in Taipei. I mean, we were both studying elsewhere, but... Um, as friends to catch up, we just happened to, to meet there. And uh, we were meeting at this Taipei 101 building, which was then the tallest building in the world. And at that height, the clouds are literally just in front of you. So it you know, made me think back to you know, the memory of being wet when, when I was very young. And, uh, and just, you know, just falling down the rabbit hole of that thought uh, was where did the water you know, from... 20, 30 years ago, that was flooding Bukatima that, you know, that drenched like two primary school kids go, right? Mm. So, you know, no matter destroying the universe, so it must have, you know, transformed to a cloud that, uh, that we were both literally uh, seeing in front of us now. Mm. Yeah, so um, I think that that story may be sort of representative of... Uh, of what I like to write about, which is like this confluence of uh, a memory and uh, a very uh, physical reality. Mm. Um, I, I think 
when when you bring up like uh, why do I write about physics? Uh, I don't. I'm not really good at physics. Uh, okay. I mean, uh, but I think I enjoy it as a as a very literal and and a physical description of what what is around us. Mm-hmm. And it's actually something quite poetic, I find. So that's why I think in my writings you find this uh, meeting of um, very literal metaphors and, mm. and uh, you know physics, physics equations or something like that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, when I was in my orthopedic surgery post, it was quite yep. funny because we were talking about why is it that gout happens only in the extremities. Mm-hmm. Just like... And we were like, oh, chemistry. Yeah. And he said, no, it's physics. Like, he was trying to say that like everything boils down to physics as yeah. like some sort of like elegant yeah. equation and like an understanding of the yeah. world. And I guess that also kind of relates to like the, the way that you write in mm-hmm. a very clean manner. Mm-hmm. But are there any particular inspirations for you, or favorite authors that you like? I mean, if you ask me the same question, I would like you know 10 years ago I would have been able to give you a huge list but <laughs> fortunately now I find myself reading like non-fiction most of the time oh, no. yeah uh, but I I'm not particularly I, I don't have any writer that you know I I really want to model myself on right now not because I don't think that there are a lot of fantastic writers out there. There are, I suppose, maybe sometimes I'm trying to find my own voice uh, rather than you know writing in in someone else's style. Mm. Yeah. Then there's also you know, and as a Singaporean writer, mm-hmm. at the, you know, at the back of my mind, uh, there's this strong urge to define like what is the Singaporean writer, what is the Singaporean voice. You know, I don't mean as like you know a big project, you know, or anything like that. But it's it's just that you know from our from our immigrant post-colonial history, uh, what what exactly what exactly is our voice? Mm. All right. So yeah, I'm I don't want to make a big deal of it, um, but I'm also just sort of conscious of that. Of the singlet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was quite interesting because there's a there's a short story that you have here mm-hmm. called. My country as a psychiatric patient. Yeah. Patient notes written on the 9th of August. It seems like the the singlet community is like rather small, mm-hmm. and I think like a lot of authors tend to write about very similar things. Mm-hmm. Like they they write a lot about like HDB void decks and like cats, mm-hmm. <laughs> and something which I noticed in your book was there are some stories which have a very Singaporean yeah. context that you mentioned like Bukit Timah flooding yeah. or and I was also thinking like in another of your short stories like the open reduction and internal fixation story like the old armas like it's like you, you see one every day in the yeah. hospital but at the, on the other hand there's also like some short stories which are very international mm-hmm. or like um, that you're someone who's like who has lived abroad I guess mm-hmm. like for instance I was thinking about 42nd Avenue and Lexington, and Lexington yeah. Avenue. Like no, I don't think any. If you if you haven't been to New York, I don't think you could have written that story. And so I, I guess maybe is it possible if you could reflect a bit on like, your experiences as mm-hmm. someone who has lived a lot um, outside of the country and how that might have, have impacted your identity. Because I think that identity has like there's so many different parts to your identity. It's not just like where you're from. But I think like even right now, um, like as a writer and a doctor. There seems to be like, like like the identity bit's a bit complex. 
Well, personally, I don't see any uh, conflict between you know the various uh, personas that that I adopt. Uh, I'm a bit of writer. I'm a bit of a neurosurgeon. Mm. You know, I'm a bit of a itinerant person. Mm. Rather than all these uh, different roles being in conflict with other, I just see them as you know the patch of patchwork of um, of what what I am. You know, as someone who has was born and raised here, who who um, had the opportunity to reflect upon home from you know from a foreign country. Mm. Uh, so I, I think all that just lends to this amorphous uh, self-image that that I have for myself.